Welcome to the Break New Ground podcast. My name is Luis Prado, aka B-Boy El Prad. And today we have a very special guest, someone that has been mentioned before on the podcast, and uh, quite frankly, someone that kind of inspired this podcast. So without further ado, welcome, Nico. What's good, bro? Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to just talk. I saw some of the questions you sent, and you know, those are some pretty dope questions. So I'm excited for what we talk about today. Man, I, I appreciate you being on the podcast. Um, as you, if you have listened to the podcast before, um, the last two guests have spoken about you through different mediums, of course. But you've been an inspiration to multiple people in this community. So it's about time that I think we got to the person, you know, instead of hearing it from a secondary source. Yeah, dude, that's pretty. That's so humbling. Yeah, Fuck. Man. <laughs> that's crazy. You, you've got quite re- quite a reach here in the community, and I think that's that's the goal, right? Yeah. Um, I just want to share my life and this feeling and this happiness I get from breaking with the world. Because if anyone else got to feel this happiness that I feel, then this place would be a pretty <laughs> pretty dope area. Um, um, so just to give a context here, we've been we're in Nico's studio area, if, if we could call it that. This is where he teaches classes, um, and Nico co- does quite of uh, an array of things, and I think. He would explain that better than I can. So, Nico, right off the bat, who is Nico Castro? And uh, how would you describe yourself as an artist and what you do? Yeah, Nico Castro is this first-generation Filipino-American kid. I was born in the suburbs of Poway. I moved to multiple places because probably at the age of 12, my life changed. went through a lot of adversity in terms of facing death. So many... Like multiple people in my family died for just various reasons and that became a part of my narrative. And through that, I found the love for breaking. And for the love of breaking, I fell in love with hip hop. And then that's when I started exploring different areas and being introduced to really amazing role models who eventually became mentors without even noticing. And I eventually got into DJing and I got into building my first company and it's called Break 58. I teach private break dancing lessons or breaking lessons and I do workshops and I basically work a minimum wage job at a startup coffee shop, super amazing company in Carmel Mountain, San Diego called Mostra Coffee. So I do that part time, I teach people on the weekends and throughout the everyday of that I basically am employed as Nico Castro. Self-employed is Nico Castro. So, Nico Castro. Is that name, like, your stage name? Is that your real name? That's just me personally. No one else has asked. I just want to know. Uh, My government name is Nico Castro Aguilar. Okay. So, Castro is my mom's maiden name. Okay. And I went through so many B-boy names. Things like, oh, shit. Like, B-boy Nuke. Nito? Nuke. And then Nito... And little stupid names that I wanted to be uncomfortably fresh with. Like the first jam I ended up winning was at a gazebo jam, and I entered as Costco samples. Oh my god! <laughs> Just I mean, those are quality I, samples. Yeah, I thought I was funny, and I tried. <laughs> <laughs> I was like a 15 year old. I was like, "Yo, I gotta enter as Costco Savannah the Pegasus." <laughs> and Nico the Freako caught on for a little bit. Nito came on, and then. Once I got into college and I started pursuing, like, getting closer to being more of an artist artist, I just went by Nico Castro, kind of like an R&B singer slash 
Cuba. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, if people Google it, I'm 100% sure they'll come up with, like, a Latin musician somewhere. Yeah, so for sure. You're in that same breath. <laughs> so you mentioned adversity when you're describing yourself, and I think that's a really big theme in your life and in your career up to this point. Um, what are ways that you see yourself... What are ways that you think adversity has built you up? Do you think that's been crucial to your growth up to this point? Would you be where you are right now without those circumstances in the past? Definitely would not be where I am without those circumstances. And I think that was the most amazing thing that has happened and probably the most painful thing that's happened. Um, Sup, Elias. My little brother just walked in. (laughs) Probably adversity was the... The first adversity I had was my grandpa passing away, and then two weeks later, my mom passing away. And then later on, within the span of a year and a half, my brother-in-law passed away. And that was the first big brother role model I've ever had in my life. Um, He died from, like, cystic fibrosis. It was, like, the deterioration of your lungs happened. Like, you're born with it. Right. Um, So I finally met a good human, and having those feelings of yearning for attention wanting validation, wanting affirmation, the things I got from those figures in my life, if I didn't have that want for attention, then I wouldn't have wanted to impress people with breaking. Um, Probably when I was 10 years old, before I even, like two years before I started breaking, I was exposed to hip hop for the first time. One of my cousins introduced me to a turntable and it was only one of them. And he just said, try scratching back and forth. I had no idea what the heck that was. And then, normal day, continued playing Guitar Hero, continued playing Kingdom Hearts, and beating the game on easy in one day. (laughs) Uh, I'm not the type of person to beat games on hard. I like to enjoy the story and the whole production of it. I can share that. And when they, like, I continued with the regular kid stuff, but then after the transitions of the death, um, we moved to different places, moved to different schools, and that's where I tried to find new friends or try to impress people so people could like me. And I had some experience of cousins trying to do handstands and trying to do footwork and air chairs, but it was more so rolling around. And then that one day after school, at my second middle school, some kid talked about breakdancing. I said, I know how to do half a flare. <laughs> and that's kind of where it started. I got that validation, and I was like, yo, I got it. I got to keep going. There's more to it, but we can keep talking. Um, that's pretty crazy because I feel that some people get into breaking for the wrong reasons. And to me, your story sounds kind of like fate. You know, you, you got the, the small introductions as you were younger. And I'm like, I don't know, maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong. But did you ever imagine yourself being where you are now? As, as, a, as a kid playing Kingdom Hearts, Guitar Hero? Did you ever envision yourself as being like, an up-and-coming artist with such a big reach in their local community? At that time when I was playing Guitar Hero and Kingdom Hearts, no, not at all. I, For even more context, before any of those people died, my two immigrant parents from the Philippines, they, they paid their dues. They were working fucking hard. So we lived in like the mountains of Escondido, and I basically had everything. Right. Um, I was the youngest of like four siblings, Three of the other, or sorry, five, oh my gosh, how many siblings do I have? <laughs> five siblings. The first three, they were already like having their own lives. They had families. They moved out. But me and my one older sister, we lived in this 
amazing house. Like I had two rooms. Um, if I asked for a video game, I could get whatever I wanted. Right. It was like I was terrible at sports, like terrible as a kid. And my dad said, "Hey, if you make a goal, like in this soccer game in kindergarten, I'll get you a new video game." I got one new video game that entire season, <laughs> <laughs> and I basically had everything. Yeah. And yeah. I think that debilitated me. Is that the word that hindered me from? Seeing that I had potential as a human being, so as a ten-year-old, I just thought here in the moment I could get a video game whenever I wanted. I could eat whatever I want. I had so many privileged things, and then when I turned twelve, that's when shit hit the fan.、Um, I basically caught my mom cheating, and then there was more family tension. And then from there, my parents said we're gonna like my dad said we're getting a divorce. And the first thing I thought was like. What am I not going to be with my sixth grade girlfriend anymore? Am I going to have to leave my friends in San Marcos? I finally like made friends, and one of them happened to be Jimbo. Oh <laughs> man! Like, I finally found a group of friends, and we're moving. So I got super salty, and then we moved to the second school, and that's where I started breaking. I fell in love with trying to be the most impressive than all the other boys that tried dancing. Yeah.、Like、Dustin Wilson was there. <laughs> Jason Huang was there. Yeah, I started. I ended up starting this b-boy club because when I was trying to impress people every morning, I would try break dancing in one of the basketball gyms. And there was this after-school activities teacher that said, "Hey, what kind of floor do you guys break dance on?" I was like, "Oh, I saw in a YouTube comment somewhere someone said linoleum." And she said, "All right, the following weekend, I don't know if like some of my family talked to this after-school activities teacher." Yeah. Saying that like I've been through shit, like I'm like a pretty broken kid. I have anger issues, whatever. And that following Monday, there's like an eight by eight piece of linoleum in the gym, and she says, "Hey, start a club." I'm like, "Sure." <laughs> and、right. later on, there were people like, or I thought I was the top dog, and eventually there was someone that was like, "Yo, there's this crazy Taiwanese kid. I don't know if he's Vietnamese, whatever, but he could do air chairs and even air chair threads." Turned out to be Jason Huang. He was in sixth grade. I was in seventh grade, and I couldn't even match up to where this kid was at. I was trying to learn by copying like ABDC performances, trying to rewatch "So You Think You Can Dance"、right. that final battle. Yeah. And Jason was like training. <laughs> he was training. He went to a studio. He had like Danger Dat. I was like, "Holy shit! How's this kid freaking good?" Right. And then that's when I started falling in love with progress.、Ooh. Training happened and. I was finally doing this on my own terms, and I had to be the best. I had to, and I knew right away from the first clip I saw of like BC One or IBE, I had to be on a world stage. Yeah. I didn't have any idea of how it was going to happen, but I knew I was going to be there, whether I thought I had the skill set or not. Even now, do you still share that same idea? Is that where your like end goal lays in a world stage? I think it's a milestone.、Um, I've more so embraced the idea of being. Myself and I don't think I'm just a b-boy. I、right. don't think I'm just a world-class breaker. I think that's one of the things. I think I'm just manifesting it now and just putting in the hours so it manifests. I mean, and yeah, I think it's a milestone. I think there's so many much. I think there's much bigger things that's gonna happen with Nico Castro or just me. I think that's important to have as an artist and also as a b-boy that's living right now in the modern age because. I feel like there's definitely b-boys out there that have 
visions the besides you know becoming world class competitors, mm-hmm. but there's also the other side where there's b boys that only train to compete, only train to win, and you you're finding that medium where you understand that that's part of the growth and then that's where you want to be at some point, but there's more to it than that yeah. what about you? I'm just curious oh me personally um I think my goals are kind of set on taking things one step at a time. My end goal would definitely be. I mean, first, I think it always has to be like win locally, but traveling is definitely in my immediate future, I think, because you can only grow so comfortable into your own scene. Yeah. And without experiencing other scenes and without entering a jam where you know absolutely like nothing about the competition, like I think that's when I'll definitely be tested. Yeah. And I'll, when I'll be like on my A game, you know? But like I think it, in terms of contrast, I have currently set my sights less on competing and more on like expanding my own platform i guess because i mean we're doing this podcast now you know and people always have a story to tell people always have their own ways of doing things and i think that's what break and is all about like we're all up and coming artists mm-hmm. we don't do things differently we don't think this i mean we do things differently we don't think the same yeah and everyone has their own way of doing that and i think i i like to explore that you know mm-hmm. what what does nico do differently than me mm-hmm. but also like what goals do we share in common and how are we getting there so this is kind of the overarching theme for this podcast and that's why you're here you know that that's why we we cross paths for this <clears throat> and great segue actually because since your influence kind of like manifested in this podcast how do you feel about that like you are arguably rising to like crazy levels on social media um your growth has been nuts over the past year and you've been doing this 365 day project um and you post screenshots all the time of people asking you for advice like your reach is crazy your influence is is reaching places that you haven't even been yet geographically how do, how does that make you feel like it shows me how affirming the stories you hear from successful artists like all the stories they tell you of the climb um, and how it's real. And say for this 365 project I started, I can, I knew from the beginning, like, this might be the thing that fits today's language of, say, Instagram, right? It fits this vessel, it fits this platform. I think this is a good way to make my mark on, yeah, say, this site. And seeing that I can make influence, like, someone starting a podcast or people asking these questions like you said on places I've never been to that's crazy humbling and it affirms that it's true that if you are yourself amazing things will happen beyond fucking beyond (laughs) your own knowing beyond what you know it's if you do you yeah it's it's crazy and I think it's really funny when um, people ask, like, how do I get air flares? How do I get elbow tracks? And you just say practice. Yeah. Because you mentioned this earlier in the podcast. This has been going on. It's a common theme, actually. You fell in love with progress. Mm-hmm. And, like, I feel that idea can translate to other people. And I think that's the best way to, like, preach it, you know, practice. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not going to give you air flares. I'm not just going to yeah. give you the, the hidden, you know, senzu beans, you know. Yeah. It's more like... I worked to get here and then 
and it's different for everybody. You'll get it in a day. I got it in 60 days. Mm-hmm. The next person will get it in 180 days. But we'll all get it, you know? Yeah. And um, that's crazy how you're being very real to these people. It's not like you're like, hey, man, like, yeah, here's the link. Here, I'll, I'll shoot a tutorial for you. You're mm-hmm. just very straight to the point. You know, practice. And I realized that, say before any of this stuff started flooding in, like followers or viewers or people asking questions like that, I was already being asked questions like that before Instagram. Like when, say like 2013, when it was I was just focusing on YouTube and hoping to get a new follower on Tumblr. Right. Um, Man, the Tumblr days. Like I'd still get those questions, like, "Hey, how do you flare?" and I would be so hesitant to answer people or I'd be at an open floor at the gym and someone would ask like, Hey, teach me how to do that. It's like, dude, (laughs) keep, try it, try it. I'm not like a lot of people think that if I can teach you for an hour on how to flare, it's going to fulfill you and your bullshit for not wanting to put in work. Right. Right. Yeah. And a lot of people want it for that short term satisfaction. Like, yo, I'm going to use this in the club. Or I'm going to use this to impress people on Instagram. Or right, yeah. Do it in my living room at a family party. But in reality, it's just like, it's just bullshit. Right. Those <laughs> are also perks to just having that skill to begin with. Yeah. Just, just like, like, like how when people backflip, it's like, oh, you can backflip, you know? Mm-hmm. And I guess it would be really cool to backflip at the mall and just keep walking. But you don't backflip. You don't learn to backflip just so you can do that at the mall. Yeah. It's like that's part of a bigger idea and you just happen to be able to do it at a party or whatever. And sometimes people do and it's like, all right, I backflipped at a mall and I'm done. Yeah, Yeah, that's it. Cross that off my bucket list. But for the most part, I think the people that ask you, they have a a higher goal and they're kind of wanting to like skip around, you know? Yeah, for real. And Um, especially when like we're in this technological, in-your-face, spoon-fed media, people create that habit of like oh, okay well if this is spoon fed to me if I'm just scrolling through these posts then I'm sure if I just ask him he'll teach me right yeah or he'll just tell me he'll tell me the answer he's a teacher <laughs> right yeah he does break 5-8 yeah um, and it, I think that it's like the line is kind of muddled because there's that accessibility like there's one button where you can just message anyone yeah and, that's it. and like chances are they're going to see it it's really on their court if they want to answer or not mm-hmm. and um, like props to people for trying yeah, I'm sure for like, we've, you and I have probably been in the situation where we send a risky message and we also want that response you know mm-hmm. but um, I think in situations like this you're doing the right thing by telling people to practice um, and I think that as you grow you're going to continue to get messages like this you know yeah, for sure. and it's going to be commonplace and at some point you're going to be like damn like I'm just going to shut off my DMs because people are coming in like hot um, so speaking of brands and yeah. speaking of your name and everything and Break 5-8 um you have a brand name and you have been spreading it through so many different mediums, you know, mm-hmm. Instagram, you have Facebook, um, you have a separate page on Facebook, uh, you have Break 5-8, Instagram, you have pretty much everything at your disposal, Twitter, SoundCloud. Mm-hmm. Um, what are the toughest parts of building a brand? Like, how do you, what are the things that you deal with on the day-to-day basis that, like, have you second-guessing yourself? Uh, the ego. The ego, <laughs> That's right. probably the biggest thing because... It's like we have, we were just talking about this earlier, it's like you have so much ambition to say be a world-class artist or you have the ambition to impact a lot of people or influence a lot of people, but how do you stay humble about it? What's humble about creating your own Facebook fan page? (laughs) Right? It's pretty contradicting. Yeah. But I think 
my intention this whole way is like I want more work. Yeah. I want to be able to work as an artist, and for me to be able to work as an artist, I need to be available on all platforms. I need to be visible everywhere, and I wouldn't be able to get this understanding without Gary Vaynerchuk. Mm-hmm. Um, he had <laughs> he has like the understanding of say marketing bible <laughs> right like, yeah like his books are super influential and they give you such clear tangible ways on how to market yourself in this day and age because i could pay hundreds of dollars to i don't know thousands of dollars to get into a commercial or put myself on like a radio commercial right but that's not where attention is Maybe in 1970. That's yeah, 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 yeah. yeah but and there are a lot of people that are super romantic about things like that, or people, if you're throwing an event, people are romantic about seeing flyers. Oh, right? Yeah. They're like, oh my gosh, I got to put out flyers at the end of this jam, or I need to like give out flyers at this event. It's like, dude, it's just going in the trash. Yeah. Where's everyone's attention going to after this event? They're looking on Instagram. They're looking on Facebook, right? So if you can invest, invest your time and invest yourself and insert yourself and respect the language of each platform, everything from Twitch to Twitter to Snapchat to each of these things, then you're going to be visible everywhere. Right. And using that has allowed me to get a lot of work. And it shows people who are, say, recruiting for these kind of work opportunities, or it's like, yo, I'm so-and-so successful artist, or I'm so-and-so working artist, and I need dancers. I'm probably going to look at Instagram. Or if, huh, I need someone that knows how to cater to this 13 through 18 year old demographic I'll look on musically oh right and it's yeah. like but there's no talented b-boys on here but I'll find this Nico Castro guy again <laughs> Nico spins he's on musically oh shit I'm visible by the way if you ever make a musically yeah. be sure to let us know that'd be yeah. and I'm on there oh really yeah have you made one yeah I'm on there and I'm do you have a big following no it's it's growing so I just need to be more consistent I mean, this is completely off topic, but whatever, we'll dive into it. Yeah. Do you, like, beat kill, like, with moves and stuff, or do you, like, No, sing? Uh, I need to figure out how to respect the platform in my way. I'm right. just kind of pacing my videos on there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I'll, I did a power move video that you, like, people have seen on Instagram. Yeah. It's like me practicing on the mats. Yeah. And I'll throw it on Musical.ly, and I'll put one of the Drake options. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how that platform works, but... I know that that's really popular amongst kids. Yeah, for sure. And it's a good way to get reach or get more awareness to penetrate that demographic. Because it's like, if you want to penetrate that demographic, you can't do that on Facebook. Right, yeah. Yeah. If you want to promote breaking classes, Facebook's a perfect place. Yeah, that's true. You have to be a social media chameleon, I think, when it comes to being able to produce your brand and actually push it out. Like how... Because you can't advertise the same way you just mentioned it on Facebook as you do on Twitter, mm-hmm. as you do on maybe Tumblr, Twitch. Like, everything has its own trick, I guess. Yeah. And like you said, it's about being able to translate that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's probably the toughest part. Um, and you've, took it a, you've taken it a step further into, like, legitimizing everything with an LLC. Mm-hmm. And um, when we first spoke about that a while ago, it was impressive because I was like, damn like some people talk about it and they are partially about it you know by making a soundcloud or whatever but nico fucking went and did it he like you spent your resources on this and like you took a gamble i think and how has that paid off up to this point like what were how does that differ from how does growing a brand differ from growing yourself as a dancer it's they're two two different personas and 
like the whole Nico Castro and respecting each platform, I feel like that's a managerial job. Yeah. Um, it takes time. It takes a buttload of time, and sometimes I'm doing that more than practicing. Right. And sometimes it's like I'll be so ambitious on each ambitious on each of these platforms, and I won't practice much, and I go to a jam. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and your skills don't match how much you're kind of portraying yourself on the internet. Right. Right. And it's not to flex, and it's not to sh- like create this false persona right but i can say like okay i'm trying to work on this every single day but then i go in the prelim round of a local jam and i crash (laughs) or i fall from a handstand then it's like fuck that like that could be my credibility right like a (laughs) double-edged sword i think yeah so it's really about managing your time and learning how to be a business person a manager a a treasurer all the way to like an accountant and then being a creative at the same time. But if there's ever a point where I can book someone to handle all of that, by all means, that'll be tight. But I'm loving every single part of the frustrating, kind of risky and fucking scary part of like this business part. Right. And you kind of already touched on my next question. Um, you mentioned being able to hire someone to do all this. How far do you want to expand, like, Break 5.8? Do you ever want to make it into, like, a studio? Do you want to make it into, like, a like a go-to-your-house kind of, like, we'll teach private classes. Mm-hmm. We have a whole team. You can pick me. You can pick, I don't know, Rocks right. Right or whatever, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, how far do you want to take that? Um, I'm honestly just testing the waters with this. I don't have a end. This is going to be the biggest dance company in the world. I just wanted to start a company where I can teach, and if I ever got sued, if someone got hurt, I'm not getting sued, but the company's getting sued. Um, not not saying that I'm teaching risky stuff without any safety precautions, but that's. I just wanted to see what it was like to grow a company, right. and I never intended for Break Five Eight to be in a studio. The like when I first started the LLC, I was driving to clients' houses. I the thing that got me like most of my clients at the time. I was advertising through Yelp and through Craigslist, and a lot of my clients came from Craigslist. Craigslist is yeah. slept on, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. super slept on. And I'll give you guys the answers because I know I can give you guys all the free answers that I've used that have worked, and I'm totally okay with it because I know most people don't even execute. Yeah, they hear it. Like, <laughs> yeah, oh, that's cool. I'll be like, all right, he gave me the tools, but they'll never execute. Right. Yeah. So I'm challenging all of you to execute. Right. And. If you go on Craigslist, you can put on, if you want to teach private breaking lessons and you don't have that much of a name yet, say break dancing, hip hop lessons on Craigslist, show your rates, show your availability, and post it on there, say, at all of San Diego, do a different listing on for all of Poway, for all of Scripps Ranch, for all of Kearney Mesa, for all of Chula Vista, and someone's gonna like call you up within like the next two three weeks i don't know if it doesn't happen in two three weeks it might take months might take a year but your listing stays on there yeah um and you have to refresh this like every one to two weeks so it's up to your consistency and that's one way to get like some clients and then from there you can that that was basically the narrative i followed right yeah um one of my crewmates randy reyes he he was doing that and I was like, shit, I'll try expanding on that. So it wasn't just the description or listening that said all over SD. It said 
I did multiple postings of either Scripps Ranch, La Jolla, the rich places <laughs> um, where I'll probably get like a white kid or something. Right, yeah, yeah. And it worked. And I was like, holy crap. Now that I'm trying to build clientele and I don't know that much business stuff, what if I started a company? Like, I think that would, instead of looking on Yelp and seeing, ooh, classes at Culture Shock, Studio Effects, or B1 Eco Castro's Breakdance classes. <laughs> right? Yeah. So then I was like, all right, let's switch it up and see if we can find a name. And then I had help from our friend Jimmy, Jimmy Nguyen, Jimmy Jam. And he was supposed to be my partner in this, but he had other priorities, and I'm so happy for him. But he was the one who came up with the name Break 5-8. And from there, I stuck with it. So, Jimmy is actually really creative. I mean, I think he's one of the most creative artists I've ever met in my life. No, same here. Yeah. And he's—I'm not going to out him, but he—he he has a busy schedule. That's how I'd describe his, Jimmy. He's in and out, but when he's there, he makes his presence known. Yeah. And um, I think that's—he's also—he's a good friend of mine. And then whenever we can, we share like whatever. But I—it doesn't surprise me that Jimmy came up with that name. Yeah. Um, Jimmy's one that got me in Uncomfortably Fresh. So, Jimmy's everywhere, man. Yeah, he taught me how to 90, taught me air chairs. Like, all the tricks you see, it was... He taught me. Jimmy's everywhere, but nowhere at the same time. Yeah. He's you you can never catch that guy, but he's there. You know he's there. Um, here's another question. This is completely off script. How do you price yourself? How do you know how to price yourself? Especially as someone with no business background. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, asking people. Asking what everyone on the market costs. Like, I remember asking Vinsanity, like, how much should I price myself? And did you get a response? I did get a response. Um, I don't remember what he said. <laughs> but I just asked, like, even my crew members, like, how much do you think I should price myself? Yeah. Randy was saying, like, charge, or he charges $60 an hour. So he was like, I charge $1 per minute. And I was like, that's pretty dope. Like, yeah. that's the kind of value I'd be getting if I were to take a class from him. And I remember I was teaching at places like Studio Effects or occasionally The Origin or like local studios and I was getting like 30 bucks for a class. And I was like, wait, I put so many years into breaking. Right, yeah. And like I put my life into this and I'm getting 30 bucks? <laughs> like, and how... And, this is for say eight students to twelve students, right. and I'm getting thirty bucks. These kids are paying X amount of tuition. I'm like, I think I could do this on my own terms. Right. Yeah. And then just through asking people, yeah, I eventually came up with my price. Um, the Break Five Eight prices it's pretty affordable for living in San Diego, but it also caters to my overhead for holding the company and stuff. And I charge fifty five dollars for one class. Um, and if people want to do like a six session package where I get to coach them or they want actual direction to hopefully fulfill their goals, right. then we'll do like 300 bucks. So it's like $50 per class. Yeah. And, and I think yeah. that's, that's pretty affordable yeah. and it doesn't undersell you as an artist. For sure. I mean, it, it's good that you mentioned that. And this is also not to out any like studios or anything, but studios have an array of dancers at their disposal. So to them, it's like, if Nico won't do it, you know, yeah. Y Rock will do it. If Y Rock won't do it, uh, you know, the next top eight B boy, you know, yeah, will, will do for it. Real. And and someone's willing to do it for thirty dollars. Mm-hmm. And I think it takes it takes a lot of confidence and a lot of gusto, I guess, to take that big step and be like, I'm worth more than thirty dollars. Yeah. 
especially if you're teaching multiple people, you know? Mm-hmm. Not, that, not to say that, like, a big class isn't an ideal space, but you should be getting paid per body, not yeah, for, for sure. the time allotted, you know? And uh, there's, I mean, I've dabbled in teaching before, and there's willing clientele, willing to pay an absurd amount of prices. Um, and we have to, <laughs> we're artists, and we're trying to make a living, too. We have to be able to take advantage of that, you know? Mm-hmm. If there's there's an opportunity and there's good money involved, why not take it? Yeah. Um, I guess perfect segue again. Uh, funny how things line up. Yeah. Let's talk about the idea of culture versus industry and how money kind of, I guess, affects the game a little bit more. Mm-hmm. You've reached this point where, like, you've put in your dues, you know, you've contributed a lot to the community and you still do you teach classes uh you judge very often you host your own event doing it in the park coming up soon july 4th be there um and at some point you have to realize that you can only do it for the community for the culture for so long when you reach this point like how what is that internal conflict like staying true to the culture not selling out but also wanting and needing that resource of money and what you're willing to do to get that yeah that's a good question and i think it's your intentions the whole time because i can see how that is a conflicting topic especially if it's like i want to be an upcoming artist but i want to keep doing this for the culture i don't want to sell out yeah selling out was never a issue I've ever encountered like yeah I've auditioned for things like So You Think You Can Dance or America's Got Talent but I knew from the beginning that my intention was never to sell out because it's like I'm doing this for like a long term a long term journey it's like I might be different for for some others but everything has been long term Um, of course Young as a younger b-boy, I always wanted like I gotta win this, right? As like short-term satisfaction stuff, micro stuff. But yeah, I never had that conflict, so I can't give a confident answer of like. Right. Yeah, I could see how that's conflicting, but never came as an issue to me. It's like I knew what I'm doing this for. If I need a quick buck, then okay, I might do a street show. Right. And that's okay. Yeah. Um. I might do this gig because I want the money and. If there was a time where I was doing something for money, most of the time it never worked. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Or it's like, I'm going to do this jam and I'm going to win the prize, right? You train super hard. It's like, I need the money. I'm broke as fuck. Uh, you don't pass prelims. <laughs> you get knocked out in top 16. Yeah. Or you go to the finals and you gas out. You self-destruct because of your intentions. So... I think Aaronetic recently posted like a TBT clip or something where he said that specifically, like never enter jam because you need money because there's so many other variables that go into it that are out of your control, you yeah. know? There's a chance that you're like, okay, this local like $200 1v1, I'll enter it and all of a sudden Rocks Right just decides I'm going to win 102 today. Yeah. And then you're like, oh damn, well, there yeah. goes the $200 that I had been counting on, you know? Dude, that's super real and that's a... That's a big thing I went through. I think it was 2000, early 2017, there was a no-holding-back qualifier. Oh, um, yeah. It was here in San Diego, and I need, like 
I had the calling that I need to start being an international b-boy. I need to get flown out to right. Finland. I have to. So my intention was to win. I felt like I had the capacity and I felt like I had the skill set to be the top b-boy of that event. And that's already bad. Right, <laughs> it's yeah. like I was one of the most amazing things that like came correct to me and that b-boy the disc from Knucklehead Zoo said to me. Because I asked him when I was catching up with him one time, I said, hey – like, what events are you training for? And he just gave me a look. And he said, I don't train for events. I'm always training. And that was that's something I'm always following. But say for this event in 2017, super recent, right? I trained for an event. And I was doing, like, up to 100 rounds multiple, like, multiple times a week. I was conditioning. I was... I put my life into nine weeks of training, investing myself for a short-term satisfaction, right? And I was training, learning how to become cypher-oriented, learning how to be tournament-oriented, and basically, like, I threw my life into training for nine weeks, and I didn't pass prelims. <laughs> so it's really your intention. funny you mentioned that jam is that the jam that ami won yeah that was the jam that she won and nobody expected that nobody saw that coming yeah and then she lit the world on fire later yeah. that year that's the jam that leon kicked me really really hard and i just couldn't enter prelims after that no way yeah that was crazy i mean i was kind of blessed with the fact that he was able to kick me you know it's probably <laughs> never gonna happen again but i mean i remember that jam that was crazy i didn't know i didn't know the backstory behind that yeah well I was training like two to three times a day. I was finding a partner to do 50 rounds with, or I was trying to do it. I did it by myself multiple times a week. And then, you don't pass prelims. <laughs> it's, it's like a good punch to the face. Because right. I went through an, existen like, an existential crisis afterwards, and I was like, well, fuck, what do I do? Right. But at the same time, I knew what I had to do the whole time. You're someone that has won a lot of local competitions. You had that... Um... I guess in my head, I label like the, the the scene as in like who was dominating at that time, mm. and I think there was there was definitely a time when it was like uncomfortably fresh and freak show finals every single time. 2012, 2013. Yeah, yeah. and <laughs> it, there were always good battles, and it was always like maybe occasionally you would trade off a win or two, but handedly, I think you had a lot of like wins under your belt those two years. Um, now moving forward, do you ever feel like you need to come back to the community and like prove that you still have? relevance here or do you are you like always looking forward to out of out of state or out of, uh, out of city jams it's funny i had a conversation with my girlfriend about this because we've had multiple conversations with the idea of i'm done with local jams right, right. i've had i even talked to you about that months ago yeah, i was like yeah. i'm done with it and it's like i don't i'm basically saying i'm too good and i think that's an issue right there and that's right. a huge ego issue right there thinking that I'm too good for a scene, or I'm too good to battle at local jams. Right. And then say I enter a local jam and I crash in prelims, or I don't pass prelims at a local jam. And it's like, okay, then what about when you said you're too good for this? Right. <laughs> so. But I think your sentiment when we originally talked about it was more like giving people the next opportunity. That too. <laughs> because it does come hand in hand. Like, you always, I think you do have to acknowledge that sometimes it might not just be your day and you might not pass prelims yeah. but like there are other people that are coming up mm -hmm. and 
like believe it or not like you're here and you're doing you but there's someone that's watching your videos and they're like I'm the next Nico Castro. Mm. I'm coming. Dude, what the fuck? I can't even yeah. imagine that. Yeah. yeah, it's crazy, right? And there's people that are training and they're like, damn, like, I can do this too. Like, he's setting the example and they're like, I'm the next one up. And it's like, at some point, someone's going to want to be like, well, where's Nico Castro, you know? Like, mm. he's not showing up to his community events. Like, now it's my time to shine. Yeah. And I think that's how the cycle works. Eventually, everybody kind of branches out. And if you're, if you're meant for more and if you're, like, good enough to compete elsewhere, you're going to do it. Yeah. Example, Ross Skeleton. He's kind of really running the Midwest right now. Yeah. And not, I mean, there was always kind of, I think, adversity with like decisions here in San Diego. But mm-hmm. he decided that what was best for him was to move on. And, and he's he killing that. it. And he's, he's killing, killing it. it. And yeah. he looks happy. And that, exactly. that makes me happy. That Same here. Like, yeah. Ross Skeleton's a friend of mine. And, and we've talked before. And, and actually, we're, in, we're trying to figure something out right now. But he's uh, in business. slight interruption um yeah it's there's definitely that feeling of having to prove locally but also look beyond you know yeah so where do you stand on that and do you feel like you ever have to come back and, and like, not assert your dominance yeah, but yeah, like, yeah, yeah remind people that you're still you're still good and you're still ready now i don't care <laughs> okay. uh, i don't give a fuck about what people think in terms of like oh he's He's not here. That means he's not killing it. Yeah. It's like I'm not gonna live with, or I'm not gonna live by the thought of hoping I'm gonna impress someone or make sure that I'm on someone's radar the entire time. Right. Yeah. So I used to think that okay, I gotta make sure that people don't forget about me. But I think that was more so me being insecure that my skill set wasn't on point, or it was me insecure that people aren't thinking about me. Right. Yeah. So now I'm just like, like, I don't give a fuck. (laughs) Do you? And the more I do meet, the more progress I make, the more reach I'm getting. So it's crazy how we're kind of trained to feel like you got to keep making your mark or keep reminding people. Right. It's really just if you keep progressing like on your own and on your own terms, then that's where like people won't forget you. Right. And people's time comes at different moments. Like, just because you're still good and you'll be good in the future doesn't mean that the next one up won't be also good, you know? Mm-hmm. More, than one peop- more than one person can be good. Yeah. Um, up to this point, we've talked about... We've slightly touched on your come up and, and your career now and the different aspects of that. And I think I want to get into how far you want to take this. What, are, what is your end goal and what do you want to accomplish between now and then, ideally? It's going to be contradicting. Okay. But... Of course, I don't want to compare myself to anyone else, but I think I can make an impact as big as Childish Campino. Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah. Recently. Yeah. He's been coming out hot. Yeah. Someone like him, he's not a has-been. He's Definitely killing it. He has so many different platforms of him as an artist. Yeah. And he knows how to assert himself in different ways. And he's basically like a Swiss Army knife. Yeah. And... I think I have that capacity to reach that length like him. Yeah, and and that's that looks differently when you're breaking and you're dancing, yeah. but I think it's important to have that like mentality that you're better you are talented in many aspects, not just dancing. Mm-hmm. And no one I don't think anyone should sell themselves short. Not just you, but for real. Anyone who's just like, damn, like I'm only good at breaking. Like, you need to go out and try other things. You'll, yeah. you'll be surprised at what you can find. Right. There's something, like, Gary Vee often says through, throughout his narrative or whenever he's talking about that, because there's 
so many passionate people out in the world that feel like they have a passion to do something, but they don't know what to do. Right? It's like the whole, I'm graduating college. What's next? What's next, right? I have all these, like, I have this skill set. I know how to be punctual. I have this skill set for being an accountant, but I don't know what to do. It's like, try everything. Honestly, try everything. Because you could be the best sushi chef in the world. You could be the best cupcake builder. You could be the best random something, right? But you'll never know if you keep limiting yourself to saying, I'm just good at breaking. I'm just good at choreo. Yeah. Well, you said it's selling yourself short. Last few questions here as we're wrapping it up. This is a good podcast, and I think this will be really insightful for people that don't know much about you. Hell yeah. Or want to know more about you than what you've released up to this point. Um, it's, I think it's a pretty fair point to say that breaking and just by itself, or I think the, um, the uh, you mentioned this word earlier, it's on the tip of my tongue. Um, the audience for breaking, or, or the... Um, the opportunities for creating a career in breaking mm-hmm. are very slim. Not everyone is sponsored by Red Bull or Monster. Right. Uh, not everyone is winning every competition. Um, and and there's kind of an instability there right now in 2018. And what are what is your opinion on that? And and being in such a niche, um, like yeah, interest, you know, in such a the breaking isn't big it's not super small but it's not it's not commercial yet mm-hmm. and what are some opportunities that you would like to see or that you would ideally want to be a part of to expand this for everybody yeah, yeah. continue to expand as a personal brand yeah. like on all platforms and I think embrace documenting the process just yeah. by what I've learned from like Gary and everything that's worked in the last seven months since I started this project and going all in on like dropping out of school and going all in on being a personality personality on the interwebs um i think i just think that we're in the day and age where since we have free accounts right it's free to it's free to promote yourself on instagram it's free to make a facebook fan page right And everyone uses it. Everyone looks at it and it's free. And a lot of people still have the ego of, "Uh, I'm going to stay underground. Yeah. Right? They want to stay underground, but they still want to be a full-time artist. But it's like, how are you going to do that in this day and age? That's true. (laughs) So it's like... Where's the money underground? Yeah. It's like, no one's going to book you off of like... Yeah, someone might book you off of rumors and through legacy I don't know but we're in a day and age where it's like you're leaving money on the table if you don't use yeah, it that's true yeah so I think I'm just gonna keep personal like branding myself and see where see what this takes cause like think about the people that were early on YouTube like Nigga Higa yeah. Tim Delaghetto not saying that they don't have a skill set right they are the best at what they do especially those platforms and they were on it early yeah. And Instagram is still early. Right. Facebook's still early. And it can like be terminated like Vine real quick. That's true. But if you're early and you invest time into these platforms, then there might be a payoff later. Yeah. So this is really long-term thinking. Um, and there will always be something new that will come up. You know, that There was yeah, a rumor sure. that Vine 2 might come back. And with that, we're going to have a new set of like Vine stars, you know? Mm. 
kids that were watching Vines back then that have original ideas now that are just waiting for this platform to come back. Mm-hmm. And like you said, like it's about being able to brand yourself and I guess roll with the times. As, as yeah, you don't want to be left behind in 2018 when there's apps that are developing, planning ahead for 2020. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so we're coming to a close here. Uh, you've dropped a lot of wisdom on this podcast and I think you've really given a big insight on who you are as a person and what you've dealt with to get to this point where you can proudly brand yourself as Nico Castro. Um, For the people that are listening and and for the people that might listen in the future, um, what is one lesson that you just want people to take and and utilize that in their careers and in their everyday lives? One lesson that is crucial to you. Um... First one, I learned this in sophomore year of high school in an avid class. My teacher said, you get what you give. So generally, if you're giving half-assed effort or if you're so caught up in caring about what people think of you, if you want to make the jump to be an artist, if you care so much of or value so much of other people's opinions, then you're going to get that result back. You're going to get a pretty shitty result, to be honest. But if you give your full effort, and if you give a full investment of, I'm here to be me, amazing things are going to happen. That's where the payout is. Yeah. Literally and, like, spiritually. For real. Um, Nico, thank you. I think that's a great way to end the podcast. Thank you. This was super fun. I knew, like... Right from the beginning when I saw these questions, this is going to be the best podcast I've been on so far. Yeah, I really, I had been wanting to get you on this podcast from the beginning. I went through some trial and errors, and, and we have good episodes. For those that are listening, be sure to listen to the Nikki Q episode. He drops his own uh, different kind of knowledge, I think. Financial wisdom, if you might add. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kai, content creator. He helped Nico um, through creating the, the next American B-Boy. That was a great feature. Yo. Yeah, yeah, huge yeah, thanks to Kai. Kai. Was, he's, he's making a short film right now. That's huge. Yeah, um, so everyone's doing their own thing and everyone's growing. This episode has its own highlights. Before we go, do you want, do you have any plugs, anything you want to, any social media? Yeah. You know, we've talked about that or any events coming up. For sure, you can reach me at on Instagram at Nico Spins, and that is spelled N-I-C-O. Spins, Twitter at Nico Spins, Snapchat at Nico Spins, Twitch TV at Nico Spins, Musically at Nico Spins, Facebook fan page B-Boy Nico Castro because there's some random dude named Nico Spins, <laughs> and I'm waiting like, like he has like two friends, and I'm waiting for him to just delete his account so I can take it. Yeah. Um, are there any other platforms? Will, will we catch you on Vine too? I think that's the ultimate yeah, question. Probably. <laughs> Nico Spins there too. All right, man. Thank you. Thank you yeah, so much. Thank you. To everybody listening, you guys have a great night and uh, stay tuned for next week's episode where we have my friend, an entrepreneur, coming on to drop wisdom. Ooh. Peace.